Welcome to the Emerald City Hockey Podcast. Join RJ and Dylan as they discuss each week's Seattle Kraken news and top stories from around the league. Oh my gosh, RJ. I hate these Sunday games. Now, generally, I'm, I'm in favor of the Sunday games. Yes, it kind of takes away from football watching, but I, I like them. Generally, they're a little earlier in the day, like tonight at 6 o'clock. But at the same time, for you and I, we record the podcast on Sunday, obviously with the game later and then the post-game live. We don't really have time to do it after the game. So in order to get the podcast out early Monday morning, we're stuck doing it now before the game, which means, you know, it's entirely possible that the Kraken's losing streak is over by the time anybody hears this. Yep, for sure. Um, yeah, you all will know what happened uh, tonight against Washington, or I guess last night to all of you. But uh, yeah, that is the downside of these Sunday games. Yeah, so uh, another one of those, but uh, it should still be a good podcast. We got some good stuff going on. We're going to kind of do a roster like review sort of thing where we're going to go through everybody on the roster and just talk about how they played so far this year. Um, just because otherwise, you know, not much happened this week. The losing streak continued, but we kind of really talked about a lot of the problems last week. We didn't want to just rehash that. We wanted to try to be a little more positive maybe. So we're going to go ahead and do that uh, roster breakdown. Uh, but first, we do have some exciting news, something some of you guys have been asking about, and I'm sure many others will be interested in. And that is starting on the 1st of December, we are going to be launching an Emerald City Hockey Patreon page. That's so. Right. Yeah, so for those of you that don't know what Patreon is, it's a website that allows uh, fans to support creators like us doing, you know, multiple things. Um, it's a monthly service, so you sign up and you're charged monthly. You can cancel at any time, um, but you're, you're charged monthly and they'll have different tiered brackets that you can choose that'll give you, you know, extra content from the creators that you enjoy or um, sometimes physical goods or just, you know, lots of different things. Um, so we're going to be starting that December 1st. we got some, some fun stuff in there for everybody. I'm going to go ahead and hand it off to you, RJ, and you can kind of take us through the three tiers that we have, uh, and then we can talk a little bit about them all. Yes, so we have three tiers uh, for the Patreon. Uh, the first tier uh, will be $2 a month, and that's if you want to support us, but you don't want to commit to maybe some of the larger tiers and you know, maybe super chats in the post game live aren't your thing. You know, this is a way you can kind of help support the channel for the cost of, you know, about a Gatorade per month. Uh, so, you know, that's that's a good way to do that. Um, the next tier, which will be five dollars a month, uh, comes with an extra two podcasts a month. And those will be a little more casual. We'll kind of dive deeper into some NHL-wide topics that we don't really get the chance to cover with our Kraken coverage usually being the priority here. Uh, so I think those are going to be really fun, and uh, those come with that tier. And then finally, our top tier. So it comes with everything in the previous tier, so you get those podcasts. Uh, plus, one to two times a month, we will live stream an entire Kraken road game. So you can hop on with Dylan and I for the entire game. And we always have a lot to say, you know, a lot of thoughts during the game, you know, that don't always make it to Twitter or even to the post game live. So it's kind of a chance to just really join us and experience a whole Kraken game together with the community, um, you know, of people in that tier. So on top of that, you'll get a free shipping code for all merch on our Emerald City Hockey store. Uh, and we will have more merch coming in the next week, too. So in time for the holiday season, keep an eye out for that. 
Yeah, and that third tier is going to cost ten dollars. Oh yeah, um, thank you. Yeah, yeah, and and um, also it's it's going to be like live commentary for us. We're not legally allowed to straight up stream the game, so it'll be one of those. You'll watch the game, however it is you watch a Kraken game, and then you'll just you know mute Forslund and JT Brown uh, and listen to us instead. But it'll it'll all be done on YouTube, just like the post game lives. You guys will be able to ask us questions mid game. We're going to be you know still have the live chat and all that stuff going on. Um, I think that's going to be a lot of fun, and we're actually kind of to promote that we're doing this, and you know, also maybe just as a trial run for us, because I'm sure there's going to be some kinks to work out in it all. Um, we're going to go ahead, and this Friday for the um, road game in Tampa Bay, we're going to go ahead and do that, um, you know, free for everybody just on the YouTube channel. We're just going to go ahead and do a live game, you know, commentary uh, to that Lightning game. Hopefully it'll be a good game for the Kraken, but uh, I think regardless of what happens, just, you know, being with everybody through all that is going to be a lot of fun. Um, just because the post-game lives have been so much fun. The community that, that has been built around all this is is super awesome. Um, it's clear everybody's getting to know each other. It's not just all having to run through us now, which I think is really, really cool for everybody involved. So um, we're hoping that this is just kind of like that next chapter in everything where um, we can all you know really come together and, and enjoy the Kraken with one another. So just a quick recap. For the Patreon, it's going to launch December 1st. You're charged at the first of every month. That's why we're waiting till December 1st. We don't want to launch it now, have people charged, and then immediately charged again. So launching December 1st, three tiers, $2 just to help support the channel. $5 tier, you get those extra two podcasts a month that we talk, you know, kind of NHL broad topics. And then at the $10 tier, you get the two podcasts, free shipping code for merch, as well as the access to the... Um, live commentary streams so everybody look out for a little bit more information on that as we you know get closer to the first we'll have the exact details for everything otherwise hopefully everybody can join us this friday uh for that tampa bay game i know it is you know right after thanksgiving um but i still think it'll be a lot of fun all right rj moving into kind of the main topics for today for this podcast you know Obviously, the last couple games, not super exciting, not necessarily anything we totally want to revisit. Um, certainly not that Colorado game. <laughs> yeah. So uh, we thought, you know, all right, we, we, we talked about all the problems last week. Pretty much all the same problems now. No need to rehash all that. Um, but, you know, it's been, we're, we're a decent ways into the season now, coming up on 20 games. So we thought it was probably a good time to go ahead and look at this roster and kind of go player by player and figure out, you know, who's been playing well, who's been surprising to the upside, maybe who's been, you know, we're waiting still to kind of make an impact. And um, this should be a lot of fun. Absolutely. Yeah, no, I think this is a good way to go about things uh, this week. So let's dive in. Yeah. So we're going to... You know, normally we go net out with this sort of thing. Today we're going to do it in inverse order of that. Uh, we're going to go forwards first, and we're going to go in order of uh, scoring, point scoring. So that's kind of going to be how we're going to break them down. And that means, RJ, first up is Jordan Eberle, who I think, you know, at the expansion draft, we thought he was, you know, going to be the goal scorer. He's the, you know, only guy really on this roster that had a significant history of that. And uh, so far, that's what he's been for this team. Yeah, I mean, in some ways, it's been as expected for Jordan Eberle. These are numbers that we're not really surprised to see. But in other ways, it hasn't been as expected. You know, he had that rough stretch early in the season. And 
certainly given the Kraken as a team needing to overcome adversity right now, you know, he's his story is a good one to look at of a guy who really was snake bitten to start the season. So many great A chances. They just weren't going for him. And I remember the interviews with him where, you know, everyone's asking, you know, like, when, when will you get one to go in? When will you get one to go in? And he's just like, I I don't know. They're going to they're going to happen if you just stick with it and get chances. And sure enough, he stuck with it and the goals started coming in bunches. So he's been a great, uh, you know, that's been a great story for the Kraken this season. Yeah, I mean, he kind of went from from, you know, nothing to everything all at once like that Uh, from a zero percent shooting percentage all the way up to twenty one and a half percent. I'm sure at some point you'll settle into some sort of middle ground there. But for now, yeah, I'll take those nine goals in 17 games from him. And I think the other thing that's been, you know, I've been very, very happy with seeing from him. And it was certainly one of the questions I had coming into the season was how he was going to do on the power play. Now, obviously, for the Kraken, the power play as a whole has not been great, uh, to say the least, but he's got four points on the power play, which is a lot more than I thought he would, given you know his last couple seasons playing for the Islanders, where largely he would just kind of completely disappear on the power play and not really contribute, despite seeing a significant amount of time out there um, for them. So I've been really happy. He's already got two power play goals. Really excited about that. Yeah, for sure. And that's, you know, an area we weren't sure what to expect. And kind of as the Kraken power play has gotten a little bit better of late, you know, so has Eberle's presence on it. Mm -hmm. Um, And he's kind of found the right places to be in for rebounds, which is one of the reasons for those goals, too, which you always love to see on the power play. Yeah, and he's doing what goal scorers do, which is he's finding, you know, open patches of ice and then he's taking shots from there. Right. He's not afraid to just shoot it um, tied for the team lead in shots with 42 through those 17 games. Um, you know, one of the things that really started when his when this goal storing streak kind of started for him was he started going to the high slot a lot. Right. He would cut across east west on it through the offensive zone. And when he was there, he would just take a shot and snipe it, you know, past the goaltender. It sounds simple. It sounds easy to do. Um, if it was, everybody would do it. So it's obviously not. Uh, but it is, you know, that is one of those things that that goal scorers do that not everybody else does. So it's been it's been fun to see him wake up like that. But looking ahead to the next player who is tied with Eberle for the shots lead on the team with 42 is Jaden Schwartz. Now, it kind of surprised me that he's actually, you know, second on this team in points, RJ, because there have been some games where it's been a little hard to notice him. For sure, and especially early in the season, too. It, you know, it took him a while to get that first goal this season, and he's got three goals. You know, it's mostly assists. He's got nine assists. Um, but, you know, he's been contributing in a kind of more quiet ways than maybe what we expected. But, you know, the scoring is still there, and he's, you know, still a fixture on, you know, kind of what's been that top line uh, with Wenberg and Everly, as we just mentioned. Yeah, the goals have obviously been an issue. Um Talking about, you know, not contributing too much on the power play. He's only got one assist on the power play so far. That's that's it for scoring there. That could obviously increase. He's kind of been stuck in that net front role, though. And there haven't been a lot of, like, good rebound opportunities for whoever's been sitting there uh, on the power play so far. So I'm sure that's really what's contributing to that. But yeah, I mean, 
talking about Jaden Schwartz coming in, obviously signed that big free agency contract, really excited. It felt like, okay, this was one of those guys that fits with this identity that Ron Francis is trying to build of a, you know, a strong physical team that's also good through transition, that can get some stuff done, and then just, you know, depth of scoring, so to speak. Not quite seeing it with the goals, had some problems, you know, finishing on some breakaway opportunities throughout this stretch of season. Um, but I don't know. I mean, he's 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 playing well. It's just it doesn't feel like he's quite living up to what we all thought he would do. Yeah, and I remember, you know, in our our season preview for the Kraken, we kind of had him predicted the lead and, you know, maybe goals, maybe assists. I think we even had some points, mm-hmm. you know, where it just looked like, all right, he's going to be the guy we're predicting to get a whole bunch of points uh, this season and kind of light up the scoreboard. And it just hasn't happened for him yet. But, you know, watching him, he's still skilled enough that it, it can happen. And given the way he's playing, you know, things need to change a little bit, I, really for the whole team. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, yeah, I think I think he still can. Yeah, and you know the fact that he is producing at the rate he is producing, while us, you know, with us still being like, look, this guy could be doing more, so to speak, right? Uh, speaks a lot about him as a player, right? Like the expectations are high for him because he is a good player, and you know, as the season moves on, as we've been talking about, law of averages kicking in for everything from the power play to just winning games. Same thing with with a guy like Jane Schwartz. If you keep doing all the right things, at some point, things are going to click for you. But Jaden Schwartz with the uh, tied for the team league in assists with nine to the next guy with nine assists that he's tied with Alexander Wenberg. So another free agent acquisition brought in by Ron Francis. You know, we thought, okay, coming in from Florida, good two way guy, probably see some more, you know, ice time here. Ron Francis even said it right. He wants him in a top six role. That was the expectation with that signing. And we're seeing it. He is. I mean, I. I don't think it's really that hard to argue, but he's for sure been the the best distributor on this team so far. Yep, and that's what he brings too. I mean, you know, you know, he's a great passer. He's an excellent distributor. He can be a little frustrating at times. His reluctance to shoot the puck—that's something we've kind of covered in detail. But you know, you've got to like Wenberg for the player that he is. And you know, I've I've seen in comments and things on Twitter, you know, like. When I say Winberg needs to shoot everyone, you know, Blue Jackets fans and, uh, you know, and uh, Panthers fans just like this is the guy he is. And you know, I think, you know, he's a good player, like for what he is. And you have to just appreciate that. You know, he's a great distributor. He's solid defensively, too. Um, yeah. And so I think he's kind of done what you would expect him to do. You know, it's tough with him having to spend so much time as like the number one center, which as good of a player as he is, you know, you might prefer that he could be on maybe a second line, just getting those kind of minutes. Yeah, and that's not to take anything away from him. It's just tough when you're an expansion team and you might not have those the highest end talent to maybe bump a guy like Wenberg down the lineup just a little bit, get some easier matchups, get some easier minutes. Uh, but he's done well so far. Yeah, I mean, really the only complaints... I've got for him and we've talked about this several times through post game shows and all all over the place really is just to shoot more uh 28 shots through 17 games I mean that's you know it's not even two shots a game like if you play if you're the first line center you should probably have at least two shots a game right and he's had the opportunities too it's Mm -hmm. not not for a lack of tries you know he just needs to be a little more willing to pull the trigger yeah and you know I I think he's got a good shot um you know, despite everything, I mean, he's, he's shooting at 7%, which is low. It's not, you know, great, but it's also 
not as bad as it seems for a guy that's only got two goals so far on the season. Um, it just kind of speaks to how little he is actually shooting the puck. Um, but I think if he can figure that out, things will start looking really bright. And, and, you know, then maybe he starts scoring a little more. It takes some of the pressure off his line mates, takes some of the pressure off Eberle, maybe even opens up some more opportunities for him. Um, I think that'll be a key to, to helping a lot, especially on the power play. If he can kind of become a threat on the power play, where right now teams are obviously cheating away from him, they're daring him to shoot and he's just not, I think that'll that'll help things out a lot. All right, so looking ahead, next we've got uh, Jared McCann, who threw 12 games, 6 goals, 4 assists for 10 points. I mean, he's arguably been the most electric player on this team so far, right? For sure. He brings something offensively that really no one else on the roster does. And you saw the Kraken really missing that when he was out. Uh, but now with him back, I mean, it just adds another element to what they can do offensively. You know, he's one of those few guys who isn't afraid to just shoot the puck, you know, from whatever angle he's at. And he's got such a good shot that, you know, it really pays off for him, too. So he's definitely been one of the most pleasant surprises. Yeah, and we did expect him to do well. But man, he has really stepped into being kind of the player that he showed flashes of the last couple seasons. Like, he's legit. Yeah, no, his shot is the best on this team, his wrist shot. Like, watching it in practices, those few I was able to attend while up there, I was really, really surprised at just how strong and powerful it is and how quick his release is, because that's a lot of it at this level, right? You know, you make it to the NHL, everybody's got a good wrist shot to some extent, right? Yeah, maybe maybe not everybody, but certainly a lot of players do. The difference then starts becoming how quick you can shoot it, right? Goalies are, you know, even better at the NHL level than they are anywhere else. And so the faster you can get it, the you know, the faster you can get that shot off so that they have less reaction time to it um, becomes the difference. And I think that's what we're seeing with McCann. The other thing is beyond just his shooter's instinct, he's kind of playing like a, like a power forward at times too. He's driving the net. He's willing to take on contact to get a better shooting angle. And that's something that I didn't really expect from him um, based on his previous, you know, experiences places. But that's been a very pleasant surprise. And, and again, in some respects, he's kind of the only Kraken player really willing to do that. Yeah. And it provides just this other level to his game too, where you can use him in different ways. Recently, the Kraken have basically had him, you know, kind of anchoring his own line, not giving him, you know, really Schwartz or Everly or those guys to play with. It's been, you know, Johansson or, or Donskoy, some of those guys where, you know, they can contribute offensively, but like, McCann's clearly the guy anchoring that line and it's allowed them to, you know, really give some of those support pieces to maybe other guys uh, like a Wenberg, like a Yanni Gord. Uh, so it just opens things up offensively for the whole team. Yeah, no, his his ability to kind of just make things happen, be his own catalyst for offense is is really important and, and definitely can't be understated. Uh, so McCann has been a very, very welcome surprise on this team. Uh, looking at the next player, though, I don't think many of us could have predicted this. The the fifth highest scoring player on the Kraken, Brandon Tanev. Uh, yes. and, and not only is he that high in points, seven of his nine points are goals, you know, matching his season total from last year, I think. So that's that's really, really impressive. He's been so much fun to watch, a total firecracker out there. He's been bringing the energy and the toughness and the physicality and all the, you know, the forechecking, the backchecking, the penalty kill, all that stuff we expected. But then you just throw on this offensive explosion and Kraken got a really good player. 
For sure. And he's already matched his goal output from all of last season in, I think, 12 fewer games played. Uh, so, yeah, that's great to see. I mean, what else can you say about Brandon Tanev? He does it all. You can put him on any line. He can contribute, like you said, you know, forecheck, backcheck, everything. Uh, and, uh, yeah, he just brings that game every single night. Uh, I think we've we've kind of talked about it so much over the course of the season, but uh, you got to just still appreciate it, you know, just everything that he brings. Yeah, and especially through times like right now where the team is struggling they're obviously struggling everybody knows that they're struggling they're feeling the pressure um and and you know just kind of night in night out you're you're putting forth a, a a great effort and then not getting you know good results and all that kind of stuff he hasn't slowed down at all like his game has not deviated at all from what it is and that yep. is you know maximum effort all the time and and that speaks a lot to his character and the kind of player he is and i think that that is you know, a valuable asset to have on any team, but certainly a team that, you know, is struggling right now. And, uh, you know, a team that had playoff aspirations, because that is something that you need during the long haul of a season, and then certainly come playoff time. Uh, so we'll see if, if he's able to, you know, come playoff time, if the Kraken are in a position for, for them to take uh, advantage of all of that. Uh, coming in at six is Yanni Gord. So missed the beginning of the season, still recovering from that shoulder surgery. Came back a lot sooner than I think most of us thought he would. And, uh, you know, talk about another guy bringing energy to the team, bringing, you know, just excitement, being a fun player to watch for fans. Uh, I mean, that's just Yanni Gord. For sure. I mean, he is, you know, he brings so much in so many different ways that we were very excited to get him back around the start of the season. I think it made a big difference getting him back earlier than expected for the Kraken, uh, both offensively, defensively, and just from an energy perspective. Um, he's got, what, eight points in, mm -hmm. in 13 games, which, you know, great output. He's kind of been used in some different situations. He started out as kind of that first-line center, played in a very offensive role, uh, which is not the way he was used in Tampa. You know, they have this embarrassment of riches at forward. They were able to have him kind of as a third line shutdown center. Uh, but the Kraken experimented with him as like that top offensive guy. More recently, he's been playing more of a shutdown role in a shutdown line. And of course, he's excelled at that. We know he can do that. I would like to see them maybe try him in a more offensive role again at some point, just because you're going to need the goal scoring from somewhere. And he's one of those few guys who can bring it. But yeah, he's he's been as advertised, and um, yeah, he's had that knee injury uh, from that block shot that I think he's still dealing with a little bit. You know, you can't really see it, you know, negatively impacting his play. He's still playing very well, but you know, he's had a few maintenance days too, where he's been held out of morning skate or held out of a practice. So you got to think he's still dealing with that a little bit, uh, which can make things tough. Yeah, for sure. And you you could tell when his focus shifted to being you know, more of a defensive guy, trying to be more of a shutdown guy. Because we saw during that first stretch of home games, you know, he was he was a lot more offensively focused. He was driving a little deeper into the offensive zone, trying to make things happen. He was driving to the net. A lot of the stuff that we were saying about Jared McCann, you know, Gord was doing through that, that first homestand, and we're not seeing as much of it now. And I do think that's because of the, you know, um, defensive focus that I think the coaching staff has has wanted him to have you know and it, and it's it is paying off amongst forwards with over 10 games played he leads the team in Corsi 4 percentage and he's doing that you know with a technically higher defensive you know zone percent start 
position. And usually matched up yeah. against some of the top lines on the other team as well. Yeah, exactly. So he, he drives possession like nobody else, um, you know, really kind of throughout the league, not just on this team. So um, at, that being said, I mean, 13 games played, he's he's got 32 shots on goal. So he's still shooting the puck. He's still trying to make things happen offensively. My guess is he'll be another guy that, you know, over the course of the season, he's going to have 20, 25 goals. Um, it's just they might come in bunches rather than, you know, kind of equally spread out throughout the year. Yeah. Uh, but talking about goals, RJ, Jonas Donskoy, 17 games played. He's got the seven points, but just hasn't been able to find the back of the net. And he had such a good chance the other day, too, against Colorado. I think it was on the power play. Just wound up for a slap shot. Uh, Kemper got his glove on it. But it feels like he just can't buy a goal at this point. Mm -hmm. That said, you know, he's still generating a lot offensively, I think. I like a lot of what I see in his game. It's not like he's you know gone super cold and isn't doing the right things. I think the goals will come for him. But, yeah, it's, it's just tough when you can't get one to go. Yeah, I mean, kind of similar to like we were talking about with Eberle back, you know, at the start of the season for him, right? It's just it's just hard and you got to keep grinding and and you know once once they happen, you tend to relax a little, right? Like it seems like such a cliche, right? You know, just like with in baseball and you you know, you can't hit, right? You're you're in a slump there. You're gripping the bat a little tighter. These guys grip the stick a little tighter. All that stuff. Um, but it, but it's true, right? It's a cliche because it is true. And so I, I do think once he gets one, I think, you know, things are going to really start opening up for him. So, you know, the other thing to talk about with, with Donskoy is he's the first guy we've talked about with a positive plus minus. Now I know you're not a, a huge fan of that and there are certainly problems with the plus minus, but everybody else is, you know, with the exception of Tanov and Gord, you're looking at guys like Eberle Schwartz up at the top being minus 10, minus nine. Uh, so for him to be positive one is pretty substantial. He plays tough minutes too. He's out there a lot, you know, in, in defensive positions. And then finally, you know, he's the only guy who's been effective in the bumper slot on the power play. And, and they've been trying to kind of force that all year to some extent. They've kind of gone away from trying to force it now just because they're trying to search for anything that'll get things going. But back when that was really a point of emphasis, he was the only one capable of handling it, having three guys draped on him and still being able to puck handle, uh, try to suck in even the fourth defender at times. Like there were some really good power play uh, roles for him out there where he was just kind of being a one-man show, trying to create offense, trying to get his teammates open. They weren't really always, you know, moving into the spots to get open. Uh, but I, I think that can't be ignored either. His Just his stick handling, his ability to dribble through traffic, and, um, and, and then his passing, you know, while guys are hanging all over him. He's, he's a really good player, really underappreciated player. You and I have thought that for years from him um, at all his stops along the way. And you know, again, it's it's hard to be, you know, totally properly acknowledged and properly appreciated when, you know, you got that zero in the goals column this far into a season. Yep. Uh, but now on to, um, you know, arguably even a bigger surprise than Brandon Tanev, and that's Ryan Donato. So a guy that I think, you know, we talked about several times, this was his last chance really at, at an NHL career bounced around a lot of places can't really you know could never stick anywhere 25 now you know running out of time but it seems like he's found a home in Seattle thankfully yeah and he scored the first goal in the Kraken's franchise history which was nice for him and and certainly well deserved 
He's been on the fourth line now more often than not, uh, but he's still doing the same good things that have led to his success this season. He's not afraid to take shots. He's driving hard to the net every opportunity he gets, which is something I'd like to see from more players on the team. There are a lot of things that he does offensively where, you know, I'd like some more of it from some of the other players. And oftentimes he's the only one who's kind of bringing that extra edge, that extra intensity, even in the limited ice time that he's getting. So, yeah, I mean, I just keep it up, really. Donato has been doing all the right things. Yeah, and I think you nailed nailed it when you talked about him driving to the net because that's been one of the difference factors for him I feel like is you know compared to maybe some of the stops previously for him or things are just clicking or I I don't know totally why he's being so much more productive here than he has before but I do feel like he is just playing like that perfect bottom six guy where he's going to go out there going to use his body on the forecheck, use his stick on the forecheck, which I think has also been really impressive. He's not just trying to necessarily hit somebody off the dump and chase the way maybe a Brandon Tanev does. Um, he's, he's, you know, he's trying to pick off passes and stuff. He's, he's just trying to disrupt what the other team is doing, not give them a clean break out of their own zone. And, um, you know, to see that effort also be rewarded offensively when, you know, the crack and have the puck him driving to the net him being there uh for rebounds he's been unlucky several times it, like mm-hmm. he could easily have five or six goals instead of just two uh but but you know again at, at some point you keep doing all those right things it's gotta break through for you at some point and so donato has definitely been for me anyway the biggest welcome surprise for the seattle kraken so far this year mm-hmm. uh now we've got Marcus Johansson. So, you know, just recently came back into the lineup after, you know, missing a lot of time after that first game uh, of the season. Through six games, he's got four points, one goal. That's, you know, a good clip for, for him and, and really for being on this team right now, given the state of yeah. their offense and everything, uh, and especially their struggle on the power play where, you know, that is where his one goal is and two of his three assists are on the power play. You know, the power play did. It finally broke through after that big, like, oh, for a thousand opportunities they had. That was when, you know, Marcus Johansson came back. And so yeah, who knew he would be the X factor on the power play? Mm-hmm. It, a pleasant surprise, certainly. I, I certainly didn't see that coming. Uh, but you had guys who, you know, in that net front role who maybe weren't as comfortable with it or it just didn't work out. But that's somewhere that uh, Johansson feels natural. It's where he's played on the power play his whole career, as he said. And uh, yeah, he just creates a lot of different looks the power play didn't have otherwise. Yeah, because, you know, while he plays net front, he's a little bit better about moving around, trying to get open for things, trying to screen the goalie. Um, Some of the other guys that we've seen play net front on the power play, like a Jaden Schwartz, a little static, maybe more so than you'd want them to be. Um, the puck can, you know, kind of shift sides of the ice from where they on they are, and they're not really following it. Um, Johansson follows it. He knows how to play in front of the net on the power play, and it is working. It has been kind of a catalyst for their recent success there. But also, even five on five. Kind of reminding me a little bit of Donskoy and the fact that he's really creative. He can just make things happen. He can stick handle. He can, you know, suck a defender in and then go past them. That's, again, something that this team has kind of been missing. 
Yep. And when we, you know, the signing happened, we're like, well, we don't really know where he fits on this team, just kind of given who else they have. I think this is one instance where, you know, Ron Francis and, and Haxtell probably knew a little bit better than we did. Because, uh, yeah, I mean, he fits really well. Yeah, for sure. Uh, so now we're on to Morgan Geeky. So someone who started the season pretty good, run into some rough spots now recently. Um, that being said, I still think there's a lot of positives that can be taken away from his game so far. Yeah, for sure. And he's, like you said, he's gone cold recently. You know, it's tough also because he's been playing a lot more fourth line minutes now. You know, he's not always being put in the best spots, uh, which, you know, can be tough, you know, from both a, you know, on ice and just a mental perspective as well. You know, it's never easy kind of getting moved down the lineup. Also, you know, with the power play, going to some different looks. They've gone away from that geeky one-timer uh, on the left side boards, which I was a fan of. I thought it was good, but it is good to be more varied in the kind of looks that you bring. Uh, but that was it one area where he was generating a lot of offense, you know, through the power play. Uh, but yeah, there are definitely some positive takeaway from his game. He's still got a great shot. Uh, would like to see him use a little bit more, but it feels like a lot of different guys on the team are kind of snake bitten in that way. Uh, so, you know, that's understandable. Yeah, I mean, for me, it's it both like with the with that power play and why it stopped working was, you know, teams came to expect it, right? It was so mm -hmm. telegraphed. It was so obvious that that's all they were trying to do, that you could just take that away and then the Kraken just couldn't do anything. I feel like that's kind of indicative of Geeky's game as a whole. I feel like at, when the season started, he was able to use his size, use his skill to do a lot of things that other teams weren't expecting from him. But now that there's a little bit more tape on him, they, they kind of know what to do. You just kind of force him. If he's coming in into the offensive zone with the puck, just kind of force him off to the boards, you know, near side. And every single time, he's just going to take a wrister from like the half boards. About halfway into the zone, he's just going to take this, you know, low percentage angle. It worked in the first game. He scored a goal that way. It looked awesome. But he's done it four or five times since. And, you know, he's missed the net completely on a couple of them because it's 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 a low percentage shot to try to do that. Just, you know, you've only got one place you can really go over the goalie's shoulder. Um, I'd like to see him maybe try to, you know, cut to the inside. Right. The, de the defenseman's playing very passive, willing to just let him take that shot out there. Go ahead and, and make a move. Try to cut to the inside on him. Um See if even, you know, even if you can't, maybe you can draw a penalty, a holding call or something, right? Just because the guy's not going to expect it. And you're going to be kind of driving right through his chest. Uh, it's That's always a possibility. So I, I just feel like with a lot of stuff from him, it's just been, you know, it's stayed very stagnant. And I think he's got the skill to be better than that. Um, he's just got to kind of unlock some of that creativity, which is why I'll continue to, you know, bang the drum. I still think him with Marcus Johansson and Don Skoy would be in a really, really fun line because his kind of raw skill matched with, matched with their creativity and their ability to get him the puck in interesting situations. I think that could really help unlock his abilities um, and it would give them an interesting finisher to play with as well. Yeah, agreed. Let's see it, Hackstall. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so now we've got, you know, as we're moving down into the, these fourth liners and such, uh, Nathan Bastion. So kind of, you know, it's been a scratch since Colin Blackwell's been back. Um, seems like that's kind of, you know, going to be just the situation moving forward, but I thought he was really, really solid in those 12 games that he played. Um, you know, again, making your presence felt on the four check, it's, it's something that you ideally would have everybody do, but not everybody can make it happen. And again, uh, much like what, what I was saying earlier um, with Donato, 
he isn't just he wasn't just going in there and hitting guys. He was trying to use his stick. He was just trying to disrupt what the other team was doing, which is ultimately what the most effective forechecks do. Yep. And he's someone that I'm surprised we maybe haven't seen in the lineup a little bit recently, just from a matchup perspective. You'd think some teams you might want to get a little bit of size in there. Uh, you know, if you can maybe sub out a, one of the smaller forwards. Uh, but that's kind of been the numbers game on Blackwell, like where it's not even really his fault. It's just with everyone getting healthy, you know, that's how the numbers work out. And he's kind of the guy who has to come out of the lineup. Uh, but I do like what I've seen from him early on in the season. You know, he's not one of those guys that's going to score up a ton, show up a ton in the score sheet, but uh, he brings a lot of those things on the forecheck that, you know, maybe this team doesn't have a ton of without him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, still leading the team in penalty minutes. So, He's, he's still got that going for him. All-time franchise penalty minute leader for now. For now. Lazan's only one minute away, I'm sure. You know, give it He'll pos- get there. probably tonight. <laughs> uh, <laughs> certainly good possibility of that. Uh, but from Bastion to the guy who's kind of replaced him in the lineup, that's Colin Blackwell. Only a three-game sample size as of, you know, time of recording. But, you know, you kind of throw out maybe those, you know, some of the earlier bits where you know, obviously still adjusting to playing again, coming off the injury, maybe that's still nagging him, and then just conditioning in general. Um, it feels like his game is really starting to get unlocked here. Yeah, especially this last game, he looked pretty good. Uh, the first couple games, you know, he's shaken off some rust, and that's to be expected uh, when not only, you know, have you missed all season, but you've missed training camp. I mean, that's really tough, mm-hmm. you know, to not get that training camp playing with everyone. Uh, that's just a difficult situation to come back into. But I think he's done well so far. Jeez, he almost had a goal, what, three seconds into his first shift of his first game. Yeah, I think that puck may have hit the post, but he he did a good job to get it around the net. Um, but yeah, I think he's going to add a lot of versatility to the team. He's someone I'd like to see in the bumper spot on the second unit power play. He did really well there with the Rangers last season. I think we've only just seen a little bit of what he can do and and the different areas he can positively impact the team. Yeah, I think as he gets back into, you know, game shape, so to speak, as, as you know, he comes off the injury more completely, uh, as his conditioning, you know, catches up to everybody else, I think there's going to be a lot that they can do. I think they've been pretty conservative with how they've used him. Again, makes sense given the situation. But, you know, we talked about him being somebody that could, you know, really play a lot of different positions in this lineup, right? You can kind of plug him in all three forward spots if you had to. um, And and he can play, you know, top six, bottom six, wherever you want. He's just that versatile. And his game just translates to playing with just about anybody. He's one of those instant chemistry guys, right? Like it's it's easy to play with somebody like him. And so um, I am excited for what the future has in store for Colin Blackwell. You know, also excited to one day see Mason Appleton again. It's been out for a while. Why don't you, you know, give us an injury update on him and then we can talk about him. Yeah, not, not too much really we can say about his game, you know, that's been new because he's been out with that uh, injury. You know, it's lower body injury. Uh, we all, you know, saw the play kind of where it happened. Uh, you know, got his leg rolled up on. It looked like an ankle type of thing. Um, but he has been back on the ice for, you know, about a week now. He's been practicing with the team. He hasn't been taking line rushes. Um, he's only recently started doing some of the drills, but, you know, he's working his way back. Uh, so, you know, you never know kind of with the, you know, with that stuff where they don't really give you a, you know, a solid timeline or anything, but uh, he's definitely making progress and it looks like he's kind of ramping it up 
you know, as the days go on. So hopefully we see him again soon. Yeah, well, I mean, it also brings up kind of an interesting question, which is once he's healthy, do you think he, he sees the lineup again? You know what? I mean, I, I think it's tough because you, you want to give him a chance. And certainly, you know, it's a six-game losing streak you're on, and he hasn't really played in those games. So you kind of want to inject someone in there who you know maybe hasn't been a part of that. I think he will. I think they'll find someone at least for a game or two to take out, um, whether it's, you know, I, th- I think it might be Donato, unfortunately. That's the one that, I could see. That was the, my guess, too. Uh, but yeah, it'll be interesting to see, you know, what the call is for the lineup once Appleton comes back. Yeah, I, I think it's going to be an interesting choice for Hackstall to make. But I do think that, you know, you're you're talking about someone who now that the Kraken have more established their transition game and their kind of speed based stuff, I think he'll fit in pretty well uh, into that system now. Um, but but yeah, I mean, it's it's not obvious who'd come out of the lineup, which in some respects is good means that the team is deep, but at other times, like you said, you're in the middle of a big, long losing streak, so obviously these guys aren't playing that great right now. Uh, but last but not least, and this is definitely nothing I don't think you know you and I could have predicted, which is Callie Yarncroke, who is the only forward without a point, to you know, at least to play a significant amount of time here. Yeah, and you know, obviously that's not ideal, uh, zero points this season. And I don't think that's something that either of us really expected, you know, in some ways he's kind of been as advertised. Cause I think defensively, you know, we know that he's a very defensively responsible forward and in his own zone, you know, he's been exactly as we thought he'd be. He's been great. Um, but with a guy like that, you would like to see some more offensive contribution for sure. Yeah. Uh, on the penalty kill, he's been excellent. Just like, you know, we kind of thought he would be, uh, as you said, in his own zone, he's been good. I even, you know, would argue for check, he's been really good. And, and even just handling the puck, he's been good in the offensive zone. It's not like he's a turnover machine. It's not like he's a guy where, you know, possessions go to die. You know, they don't die on his stick. Um, it's just, you know, maybe he's not getting the, the puck to the net enough. Only 14 shots through his 12 games. Maybe he could shoot a little more, try to generate things that way. Um, it just, it, it feels large, you know, on a team full of guys that have felt very unlucky. It just feels like he's just really absorbing most of that. Like he is the center of that black hole of, of bad luck, unfortunately, because you look at, you know, his Corsi four percentage, he's third on this team amongst forwards with over 10 games played. Like, obviously he's doing things right. And it's not like he's being super sheltered as far as, you know, starting in the offensive zone a ton either. Like he's, he is helping drive possession. He is a great player when he is out there. It's just not translating at all to the score sheet. Um, do you think maybe a little time at center might help wake him up? Maybe, you know, that's an interesting idea. And I hadn't really, you know, considered that a whole lot. Um, but yeah, I think it might be worth a try. And he certainly has the experience doing that. You know, he, he's no stranger to playing center and certainly defensively, he can handle the additional responsibilities, uh, given the way that they're lining up at the moment, you know, it, it, there's not really room for him at center, but you could certainly, you know, kick McCann out to wing or I don't know, maybe even move geeky to wing, just give him a little bit of an easier assignment. It's tough, you know, playing center, you know, and having as much responsibility as he's had still, you know, as young as he's had or as he is. So yeah, that could be an interesting idea. Certainly if you wanted to move McCann or geeky out to wing. 
yeah, I think moving geeky would be a lot of fun. I, I like what McCann's doing back at center. Like we talked about, he's kind of creating his own offense there. I, I don't necessarily want to mess with that, but as I was saying, geeky's become kind of predictable. Maybe if you move him off to the wing, he'll, he'll experiment a little more. He's going to, you know, he's going to have to learn to adapt to, to things a little differently. It, it might be kind of good for both of them kind of come back to, you know, yarn croaks, you know, more original position when he came into this league playing center and, and, you know, reignite some stuff there and, and, put geeky in a spot where he can focus on just, you know, using that offensive skill and getting things going. I think that's definitely something to look at, but that's going to do it for the forward group. Looking at the defenseman, RJ, we'll just stick with how we're doing it and go, you know, in order of scoring. Uh, first up, we've got Mark Giordano, the captain, really up and down play this season, a lot more so than I think any of us predicted there would be from him. For sure. And, you know, he's historically been a pretty steady guy. You know exactly what you're going to get. and But that can be, you know, the result of going to a new situation after so long in Calgary. It can be the result of, you know, being 38. It's it's not easy when you get up there in years. I think you mentioned uh, to me earlier on one of the post games that just he looks like a guy who's maybe trying to do some of the things that he used to be able to do. And for one reason or another, whether it's age, uh, whether it's, you know, maybe a nagging injury we don't know about that he's just not really able to do the same things. Yeah, exactly. That's that's what it looks like to me is, you know, all athletes experience that at some point, though at least the ones fortunate enough to have a long career where, you know, your body starts slowing down just that little bit that makes a difference and uh, you have to learn to adjust to that. And, and that's what it looks like mostly uh, to me. Otherwise, I mean, there are some things that are still kind of head scratching to me. He's, you know, he's playing so much time on the power play, like way more than I think he should, especially when you got Vince Dunn hanging around too. Like uh, he's, you know, and they tried to make him the focal point of the one, three, one, as far as being that defenseman back there. And I just, I don't know that I agreed with that coming into the season. And then certainly how long they've just been kind of banking on it at some point working. I just don't agree with either. Um, I, I just think it, he seems like he's in a place where he should transition more so from being a two-way guy to just focusing on his own zone, play with, you know, maybe one of the younger defensemen and help shore them up a little bit and and just kind of, you know, be a be a steady force back there and and continue to be a leader in the locker room rather than be the the do-it-all kind of guy that he was for so long in Calgary. Yep. Uh, but, you know, speaking of Vince Dunn, Vince Dunn's next up. He's tied with Giordano uh, at seven points so far this season. Uh, only one goal. And again, not, you know, a ton of power play, um, you know, spectacular stuff going on from him the way I think that we were hoping there would be. Um, and, you know, really, I don't know that he's been all that I've wanted him to be anyway. Like... Yeah, it's been some more up and down play from him this season. And we've seen flashes of that kind of offensive creativity and the things that he can do. But we're not at the point where we're really seeing it consistently, mm -hmm. uh, which you know is a concern. You know, Early on in the season, he really was not getting much ice time. He was playing, you know, third pairing minutes. He's gotten a little bit more recently, which is, you know, good to see that they're, you know, putting him in some spots to succeed. Uh, I think recently he played... Uh, 
think a couple games ago, played you know over 24 minutes of ice time, mm-hmm. which is a career high for him. So he's starting to get the more of that opportunity. Uh, but yeah, it, it hasn't been you know everything that we've we've hoped for from him. No, it it doesn't feel like his offensive abilities have have woken up or taken that step forward from his time in St. Louis the way we thought there would be. Part of that, though, was because we thought he was going to have more ice time here. He was going to have the opportunity that he didn't, you know, wasn't able to have in St. Louis. Um, but yes, the other thing is I just have not been impressed with his defensive play, uh, whether it be in the own zone or really as far as transition going back the other way. There's been a lot of times where, and you know, we knew this was going to be a, a thing with him, right? He was going to pinch up in the offensive zone and try to make a play, but he's he's done that a lot, and and they really aren't working out for him. He makes some kind of questionable decisions um, when it comes to doing stuff like that, and and I think that's hurt the Kraken. You know, he's he is a, he is not a non-factor when it comes to all those breakaway or odd man rush you know, chances that the Kraken have been having going against them. And so um, I'd like to see him, you know, if if he's not going to explode with the offense the way we thought he would, maybe just, you know, focus on playing a little bit more of a complete game until, you know, something starts happening for him and he kind of gets that confidence back. But that's just my take. Jamie Alexiak, though, has been pretty much as advertised. Um, you know, big physical guy, going to go in there throw his body around, uh, get into some fights, usually because somebody picks a fight with him for some reason. I guess it's just that like prison rule thing, right? Go, go after the biggest, yeah. I know, go after that biggest guy <laughs> and then your top dog, but uh, it hasn't really worked out for anybody so far. And those then, guys seem to regret it pretty soon after. For sure. And then, you know, the underrated aspect of his game that has been around for a little while, uh, which is his, you know, ability to drive the net which is you know, not something you'd think of for him. We are seeing that a lot recently. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the net front drive. I mean, you know, I don't blame if If I had that kind of size and I'm playing in the NHL, hey, I'd want to use it that way. Mm-hmm. Um, it just, it looks fun out there, you know, when you're, when you're that big and you get to forecheck, you get to do net drive stuff. I don't know whether it's always the best idea, uh, you know, for the Kraken and what they're doing, but uh, yeah, I'm sure it's fun. Yeah. Um, really, what's interesting is the one place he doesn't use his size is when he's playing defensively. Arguably the one time you should be using your size. Um, he, he'll use it enough to like kind of clear guys out from in front of the net. He's, pre- he's pretty good about that kind of stuff. But, you know, we've seen a couple times where there have been either breakaways or odd man rushes and he's been back or getting back and he'll just try to poke check it instead of bodying up a guy or laying somebody out and, you know, those seem like instances where it's it's okay to kind of step up and and hit somebody. Absolutely, and I think it's just something about you know in transition with the speed there, not wanting to get beat. And I understand that instinct, but you know the best defensemen you know find a way to use that size even when traveling at speed, even when getting back. Um, and certainly, you know when you have size mismatches like on the Debrinket goal in the Chicago game. Mm-hmm. I mean that's the first one I think of where. You know, you've got maybe a foot of height on this guy. It is a whole foot. He's a, full a whole foot. foot. Yes. Yep. That you know you can you can afford to kind of lean into the guy, even though he had a step. You know, that's something where you can kind of use your size, use your reach a little bit better. Yeah, for sure. So I'd like to see that a little bit more from him, uh, especially in those transitional moments, because um, you know we've seen that from other guys on the team. Um, 
you know, really the next two guys we're going to talk about in Larson and Susie have both done it where, you know, they, they'll really kind of play the man, not the puck in the transition game, which, you know, isn't necessarily where that adage comes from, but it it's worked out a lot in those situations as far as stalling out the other team. So um, Alexiak has found himself in several of those situations. And I think that's really the one thing he could do to kind of fill out his game and, um, and, you know, be really, really solid for this team. But we'll go ahead and move into Adam Larson. Um, I mean, as advertised, Go ahead, about him, I, I mean, it's hard because it's like, you know, he's been great, but at the same time, it's just, he's as advertised as a Swedish defenseman. He's just, you know, doing everything right and getting it done in a, you know, in an underappreciated manner. For sure. I mean, and I like that you've kind of clued me in throughout the season. You've really got me watching him probably closer than I otherwise would be. And just some of the things that I'm seeing are just so impressive and the, the understated kind of things, you know, tying your man up in front um, and, and making sure to mark the right guy, just the things that he does so consistently and so effortlessly that you don't even really notice, you know, unless you're out there looking for it because Dylan's telling you to look for it. <laughs> um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean, just, you know, not enough good things to say about, uh, you know, Adam Larson. Like he, yeah. I mean, what else could you say? Yeah. I mean, he's, um, I, I would say for sure he's been the best defensive defenseman on the team so far. He's been the best defenseman in their own zone. And a lot of that is because he plays, you know, he plays so smart. Um, he knows what guy to cover. He knows when to shift his coverage off of somebody to somebody else. He can, he can see the play developing. He's, he's got good instincts for what the other team wants to do, um, which really isn't easy. And it probably speaks to, you know, either he's just a total savant at it, or um, he watches a lot of tape and he, and he knows kind of the tendencies of all the other players and what the other teams want to be doing. And, and he's able to internalize that and then go out there and, and put it on the ice, which, you know, watching, watching film and understanding film is only half the battle. You have to then be able to actually execute on, you know, what you decide to do in the heat of, you know, battle, so to speak. And um, he's been really, really good at that. And I also don't think it can be overlooked that, you know, most of the season he's been matched with Jeremy Lauzon, who has struggled in coverage the most. And so, um, you know, the fact that things haven't been, as, you know, absolutely horrible when, when they're out there, I think is a lot because of what Larson's been doing. Now, I have a question for you, Dylan, and I got to play devil's advocate. This is what I love to do, mm -hmm. um, where you can't complain about anything that Larson's really doing on the ice. But as you pointed out, he's been matched. Uh, he's been paired with uh, Jeremy Lozon for most of the season. Would you like to see him do more, I guess, of kind of teaching Lozon maybe how to be in the right spots a little bit more, you know, imparting that veteran wisdom and maybe coaching him up a little bit, you know, whether it's in practice or just kind of little pointers during the game, or, or do you think that's kind of more the coaching staff's job? No, I, I think that's totally on, you know, veteran players to do that too, especially, I mean, he's got an A on his chest, Larson, right? He's in a leadership position. Um, so I, I do think that that, that is something. And, you know, for all we know, he is, and Lausanne's just not listening to it um but I, I think in general for a lot of things with this team you know especially with guys like Lausanne it, it's a shared responsibility it's it's on the coaching staff it's on the video coaches it, but it's also on you know your D partner um to be talking to you on the bench and all of that so yeah I, I think that's a fair criticism potentially again it's hard without really knowing like we he could be on him every day in the locker room right and we just don't know. yeah i mean we don't know um, um but, but yes given how long it's yeah but given how long it's gone on it's it's definitely worth something 
uh, to bring up. The the only thing I'll say from Larson that I want to see him do a little bit more is shoot. Because, you know, I've said it before, he has a really, really heavy wrist shot that stays low and is perfect for generating rebounds off goalies' pads. And we've seen it a couple times, the few times he's done it so far this year. I'd love to see him do it more. I think it would be interesting to have him out there on the power play sometimes just because of that mm-hmm. and his and his instincts his you know his understanding for what's going on i think that would be interesting but uh but yeah i think you know he's been a really really solid player happy to see that carson Susie is next one up and he really surprised me this year i was a little more down on him than i think most people and i and i'm willing to admit that that was just because you know i didn't recognize um really how good he was in minnesota uh, the way everybody else did, including you. Um, I got no problem admitting that. Uh, I think he's been really, really solid, especially defensively. You know, talked about it uh, when we were talking about Alexiak as far as using his size in transition, going the other way, right? Coming back into your defensive zone. A lot of times he ties up the guy and the puck will then, you know, get lost and another Kraken can come in and pick it up. And it's, you know, he just kills that whole offensive chance for the other team. It's It's been really fun. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad to hear you say that because I figured he's the kind of guy, you know, if you like Adam Larson, I think you'll like Carson Soucy and the kind of things that he brings. I mean, you know, and he doesn't really jump off the off the page when you look at him, you know, play, you know, it's kind of those you know, more quiet, uh, you know, underappreciated type of things. Um, but yeah, he's been solid every game he's played in. Unfortunately, he's kind of been in this defense rotation where he's been out of the lineup uh, a lot, you know, kind of swapped in and out for Hayden Fleury. Uh, but uh, every time that he's come back in, just about, I think he's kind of shown that he deserves to be a regular. Yeah, there've been some rough games. And, you know, really the thing I'd want to focus on from him is, you know, working on his outlet passes um, mm-hmm. a little bit. Uh, you know, any that's not to say he's been bad. I feel like if anybody, he's the one who's kind of forcing things at times um he'll try to make a stretch pass that maybe he shouldn't be making uh or you know go ahead and and you know he's not a bad skater but he doesn't look like somebody who's confident in his skating ability in a lot of situations you know that doesn't really matter so much in the in his own zone but certainly in the offensive zone and certainly when it comes to you know breaking plays out in transition you know he'll he'll kind of just stay put wherever he collects the puck and then try to make the pass from there i'd like to see him you know take a couple strides up, move up, let, let the play kind of develop, get a sense for what's going on, but you're still keeping things going in that sense. Um, I'd like to see that from him, but really if that's, you know, if that's the only thing I'm bringing up, then that means he's, he's doing pretty good. Uh, Jeremy Lauzon had to get to him eventually. Uh, you know, it, it's been rough. There, there aren't too many positives to take away from his game. He's a good fighter. Uh, and I think he, he at least plays with an edge. Yeah. And he at least fights smartly. Um, you know, he's not just like out there taking a bunch of needless penalties and stuff like that. So there is definitely something to be said for that. Cause you could have bad defensemen in coverage that are also, you know, taking penalties, taking hooking penalties, grabbing guys, holding penalties, all that stuff. He doesn't do that. So that is definitely something that I will recognize. Um, but at the same time, just these lapses in coverage are just so painful to watch and it feels like we see at least one every game it's mm-hmm. just it's kind of this constant thing that keeps coming up and i mean at the end of the day it just needs to be fixed i mean on the positive side though if you want to look at that they're fixable mistakes they're coachable mm-hmm. mistakes mm-hmm. uh it's the kind of thing that you know you get a good coach working with them you can easily you know get that out of his game uh in, in theory 
Um, so, you know, I haven't given up hope on him yet, you know, because I think there still are a lot of a good sides to what he can do. And if he can just sort that out, um, you know, he can be an NHL regular, but it just needs to be fixed before it, you know, costs the team any more games. Yeah. And, and so much of it's just watching the puck in his own zone. Mm-hmm. And then puck he just, watching. and then he just drifts out of coverage or a guy will just make a move behind him. And then, you know, they've got space and, and he just doesn't recognize it. And, and so, yeah, again, head on a swivel, play the man, not the puck, all, all the basic stuff, you know, we taught the squirts when, when mm-hmm. we were coaching that it's, it's just those things. Um, he has started, you know, trying to take shots more offensively as of late, which I've thought is kind of interesting. Um, and in some aspects, I guess it's a good thing because it means he's comfortable out there. He's feeling a little more confident that he's taking shots. And he's and not only is he taking shots, he's also kind of walking into the offensive zone. And, you know, he's not the fastest guy coming back. So that does mean he is feeling good about himself in that sense. But, uh, but yeah, I definitely want to see some better coverage from him. And why not? He stays in the lineup just about every, you know, even with the rotation. <laughs> exactly. He's there every night. So um, now Hayden Fleury, uh, you know, kind of been, he's been the guy bouncing in and out with Carson Soucy for the most part, um, not seeing him super regularly, but he's had some really good flashes, you know, so far this season. He has, and especially when he's really decided to shoot the puck. Mm-hmm. Uh, there were that there was a two game stretch where. You know, he had like five, six, seven, you know, shots on goal in the game. And uh, it generated a lot of offense, uh, which really helped provide another element of the Kraken's, you know, attack that that teams really weren't ready for uh, that were playing against him. So uh, he's got a really good shot and seeing it in practice, too, like such an impressive shot. Like there's so much kind of power and and. Uh, and speed behind every shot that he takes, even just a little when you could tell he's not putting it all into it, you know, in, in uh, warmups or practice. Uh, so you'd like to see him use that. Uh, he's had some rough times in his own zone. The last couple games that he's been in uh, to, to kind of put it mildly, um, you know, there, there was the start of I forget which game it was. It was a Chicago game where he was just falling all over the place. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, I don't know what was up with that, but um yeah, he's he's one of those players where I'm really hoping it works out for him too because of the things that he brings that I think he can be the solution to some of the problems the Kraken have in generating offense from the blue line, uh, but it is still a work in progress. Yeah, it's it's kind of interesting because so much of, you know, the player we're seeing now is the player that he was, you know, playing in Red Deer in the WHL. Uh, <laughs> great shot, great slap shot, good placement, good speed, it's heavy, all that stuff. Never used it in Carolina for some reason. Um, starting to use it here, but that's always to me been like one of the you know things that really makes him stand out has been his shot. Um, excited to see that. But then on the other side, um, yeah, skating isn't very fluid uh, to say the least. He still looks like that lanky kid coming out of his growth spurt at times. And you know, 25 by now, hopefully he should be used to his body. Um, and and be coordinated with it but yes there are games where he'll he'll just blow a tire for some reason or um you know his edge work won't be there and then he'll be beaten laterally because of it or um even just getting beaten transition just because you know not great on his crossovers that night or something but what's it but it is weird because it's not consistently one thing um, I mean, it's consistently skating, but it's not consistently one thing within skating. And then there are other nights where it all looks totally normal for him. So um, it is kind of a, a weird situation watching him. But yes, I, I think 
I think he deserves maybe some more time over somebody like Lausanne in the lineup. Like to see him put in some offensive situations. Uh, you know, just never match him with Adam Larson again because that was a nightmare. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, so that's it for the defensemen. So last but not least, goaltender. Well, we got to give a we got to give one mention. Hashtag free Will Borgen. Yes. Let's just one game. Just yep. give us one game. Give us something to talk about. I'd love to break down the, you know, eight minutes that he got against, you know, whoever. But uh, unfortunately, we haven't gotten that yet. But yes, would love to see Will Borgen in the lineup, especially because he looks pretty decent at practice. Like, I don't know. I, just... I watched him at practice. Like, yeah. he looks fine. Yeah. So uh, that's that. Uh, moving on to goaltending. Um, I guess we can we can technically still stick with this theme of going based on points because uh, <laughs> Philip Grubauer does have an assist. He is outscoring Callie Yarncroke at the moment. Uh, Philip Grubauer. We've talked a lot about goaltending. We talked about this last week, right? Kind of who who all this is on. Is it on the goaltending? Is it on the defense? Um, Grubauer, I think he's he's been leaned on more so than we thought he would. Part of that was because Drieger was hurt for a while. Um, but... I don't know. I just, I, when, you know, when I see like you tweet out that he's starting a net that night or whatever, I just don't have that same level of confidence anymore. It's gotten to the point where, you know, as chances kind of come in, you're sitting on the edge of your seat, just like, uh, you know, which is never a good thing. You know, when, when you're talking about a goalie earlier in the season, I, I certainly didn't feel that. Uh, but, but now it's just something that's kind of present in my mind. Um, you know, hopefully getting more rest now will help, um, before the, the Colorado game where Drieger got the start, uh, Hackstall did mention that he felt that it was really the first time that they've had both goalies fully healthy, uh, which even though Drieger had played one since coming off of IR, you know, hinting that maybe he wasn't really back to a hundred percent. And then, you know, looking at Drieger's performance against Colorado, giving up those four goals before getting yanked you know, maybe there's, he's not back to a hundred percent, you know, even as it is. And, uh, you know, certainly with, uh, Hackstall feeling the need to put Grubauer back into the game, despite, you know, it, it being for nothing that might tell you, uh, what you need to know. So I, I don't think the workload's going to get much lighter on him anytime soon. Uh, he's just got to turn things around. Right. And, you know, we talked about that last week. He's, he's only ever really seen a majority of starts for a team once in his whole career. Uh, so, you know, it'll be interesting to see how he holds up to all of that, especially considering that that other season was last season. So, yep. <laughs> um, you know, maybe it's just a little bit of he's played a lot of hockey in the last, you know, 12 months and that's catching up to him. Um, but yes, you know, he's he lets in some of those squeaky, easy ones that you don't want to see. Um, otherwise, you know, he, he plays pretty fundamentally sound. His positioning's been good and stuff. I don't have like questions there or anything. It's just got to you know tighten up on some of those soft goals and then you know just just steal a win just just try to just just come up big one night he hasn't played super terrible in all of these losses but he's not you know he's not playing like some of the goaltenders we've seen or that we've gone up against where you know we'll outshoot the other team 2 to 1 and they just stand on their head and they make something happen i'd like to see grubauer do do one of those i think that would go a long way with the uh, the fan base and their confidence in him for sure. And then we got Chris Drieger. And I don't know what to make of him. As you said, you know, maybe it's still the injury stuff. But even going back through the preseason, he just has not looked good or comfortable on this team. No, and I'm I'm willing to, you know, 
I'm willing to give him some leeway with the preseason stuff, just because at that point it's so new communicating with your defensemen and this whole new team, and you're not even playing in the same building. You know, it's through all these uh, or same type of building. Even you're playing in mm-hmm. these junior rinks. You know, that's that's not easy to do. Uh, but yeah, throughout the regular season, I mean, he hasn't had a whole lot of healthy time really, and uh, certainly with Hackstall hinting that he may not have been a hundred percent even after coming off IR, I think that's something we certainly can't discount. Uh, that you know maybe just the knee isn't quite a hundred percent, which you know that's difficult on a goalie. A knee injury is hard to deal with, especially mm-hmm. if it's nagging you. We don't know that it is, but you know there's some hints there. Uh, in that in the Colorado game, I mean just his angles were off. I mean, he wasn't, and that's, I don't think that's a knee thing. That's just, you know, finding the right angle to, you know, to line up to a shot. It's certain things like that, that you just need to get right before you can really, you know, try and be the hot hand and and take some of the strain off of Philip Grubauer. Yeah. The, some of the positioning in that was really surprising to see and, and really, you know, difficult to see and, and um, was not something I expected, but it, it made me not feel great about, you know, calling for him in a lot of these games that we've been calling for him. Mm-hmm. Um, a couple, you know, suggestions, maybe we talked about the injury thing. Um, how much of this is because he maybe thought he was going to be the guy for Seattle through that expansion draft process, right? He's there the day of the expansion draft. There's a lot of media availability. Fans are super excited to see him. We all embraced him. He was going to be our goalie. And then a couple days later, Kraken go out and sign Philip Grubauer. Do you think any of that maybe got to him a little bit? He thought, you know, this was his job. It was locked up. And then all of a sudden comes in this guy who was a finalist for the Vesna a year ago. Yeah, I, I don't know that that, you know, has gotten to... I certainly haven't seen any, like, evidence, I guess, but it, it certainly is... It's tough. I mean, just, you know, thinking logically, it's tough on a guy. And Drieger, it's not even like he was an expansion draft pick where, like, he had no choice, you know. Mm-hmm. Oh, well, I guess Seattle took me. I got to go. No, he chose to sign in Seattle. If he mm-hmm. wanted to test free agency and go to another spot, he could have. And, you know, looking back at it, there are certainly some teams that I think would have given him a similar contract and really committed to him as their number one, uh, which, you know, that's tough to go into this situation now where, you know, you've got Grubauer signed for six years, you know, mm-hmm. like where's, where's your lane to, to really take over the starting job. Um, it's tough. So yeah, I, I wouldn't be surprised if that played some part in it. Um, Cause yeah, it's just, it's tough to deal with, uh, you know, mentally, uh, you know, knowing that that's the situation. Yeah, and especially because we don't know what Ron Francis said to him during all that, right? Ron That's Francis, true, you know. he talked kind of about the Grubauer thing, how that just kind of happened. Like, yeah, they certainly did not plan it at the time. Yeah, like when they signed Rieger, you know, and I, I believe the the uh, the hockey ops team when they say, you know, when they signed Rieger, they did not have Grubauer in their mind. They thought he was going to resign in Colorado, mm-hmm. um, and then it just kind of comes up. Yeah, um, and so you know, who knows what you know, what was said to, to Drieger and, you know, certainly what he believed his role would be. Yeah. So I bring that up just cause you know, goaltending is it's a lot mental. Um, oh, and, yeah. and so that could definitely be something that's going on there. The other thing is just, you know, Seattle plays a very different defensive style than Florida where he had his success. And, mm-hmm. and I wonder if, if maybe that's, you know, coming into play here just a little bit. Um, but, uh, but also, it's it's also just hard with only a three-game sample size to really dig into a lot of that kind of stuff. Uh, quick shout-out to Joey Decord. 
been awesome he's every time games. he's every time every time he's been around the crack and he's been you know better than his stats uh show so. yeah i think you could make a good argument he's been their best goalie this season yeah i mean he's certainly the only one that f- you feel like could step in and like pull a game out of his hat and just be like okay here you go here's a w guys you know what <laughs> exactly. i mean and, yep. and there's definitely something to be said for that amongst goaltenders um so that's it yeah a little bit of a bummer there i guess to to leave off the podcast to talk about the goaltenders but you know think back to all the positive stuff we were talking about before um tough road stretch coming up here just tough schedule in general also with tonight against the capitals uh last night for everybody listening and then uh carolina midweek but uh i i think you know at some point this is it's gonna happen for the kraken a win's gonna come in and that's hopefully will spark everything else i would be very surprised if we go through this next week before the next podcast if the kraken haven't won another game uh if it's against one of these really good teams all the better i mean yeah, that's even exactly. better for your confidence yeah but uh, otherwise just got to start getting points get you know get things moving in the right direction it's got to start somewhere uh, but that's going to do it for this episode of the podcast a little bit longer than normal, but I think that was probably good. Uh, you know, check, keep your eye out for news about the Patreon launching December 1st. And, uh, if you can join us this Friday for that kind of watch along, uh, in that Tampa Bay game. And, uh, that's going to do it for us. We will see you all next time.